On our show this week, we welcome back Allie Boone from Hipster Investments. She's a former aerospace engineer, job-free lifestyle advocate, turnkey rental property specialist, and she's written a new book called Not Your How-To Guide to Investing in Real Estate. In this episode, we get an update from Allie about the good and the bad of her first foray into landlording a duplex in her hometown. We talk about what she calls the three currencies you need to focus on when beginning your real estate investing journey, and the difference between working versus investing, and how that impacts the various real estate investing strategies you might choose to focus on. I'm Neil Henderson, and this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Allie Boone, welcome back to the road to family freedom. It's good to see your face. Yay, you too. I'm so excited to revisit and say hi again. I know. We were just looking, we were just talking about this right before we started that I felt like we had just interviewed you because everything (laughs) these days is just like in dog years. Uh, But it was, but it was, it was over almost, it was over a year ago that we last interviewed you. It's a little over a year. That's crazy. It feels like yesterday to me too. But then if you think about it, then we've all been dealing with 2020, which I'm like, oh, maybe that makes sense. It was a year ago. Like, cause it feels like the last time things were sane. That's why it doesn't seem like very long ago. Yeah, no, the news cycle, I think is just compressing everything for everybody. And it's just nonstop (laughs) craziness. So, Well, the last time that we interviewed you, you know, you have, uh, you've owned a lot of rental property, but you had taken on something new at the time and was that you had become a landlord for the first time. Oh, that's what was happening then. Yes. I forgot. How's that well, going? I, mean, I didn't forget the landlord thing. That's, I certainly haven't forgotten that one. How's that going? <laughs> it's actually going a lot better. Although, so I, you know, the history was I've mostly owned out-of-state rental properties and I have property managers managing, you know, managing the tenants, repair calls, handymen, all the things I truly could care less about and kind of hate. Um, but we, had gotten this duplex uh, local to me in Venice Beach. And right now, one of the units just became available for rent uh, as of August. But you know what's interesting about that is COVID is weird. So, you know, like it's a different tenant pool. We lowered the price a little bit just because it's COVID. Um, You know, we're showing properties with mask on. Like the whole dynamic of it is crazy, but it still kind of goes to exactly what I was I don't know if I was complaining last time, but the things I don't like doing with my investment properties is being required to show up. <laughs> like, you know, so right now I'm, I'm showing this property. It's like, well, I got to be there at two o'clock. And then, you know, we put new windows in it. We did some different stuff. So I'd have to go meet the handy person. And I'm like, 
God, but it has smoothed out from when we first got the property because when we first got it, God forbid this woman ever watches this. Um, I inherited a tenant in one of the units, actually the one that's for rent now. And she, she tested me as a human being. Like she, I learned so much about how to stand my ground and not let people bully me. Cause she was terrible. So the first, I mean, God, like the first year of being the landlord was so exhausting because we were doing work on the property. I had this God awful woman in the front who I think may have actually been evil. I'm still, <laughs> I still have nightmares thinking she's going to come back and haunt me in like 15 years. Like I, I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. So it was an exhausting year because it was like, you know, conceptually I had owned rental properties forever but and I conceptually knew how to be a landlord but there's like this unsaid learning curve of like kind of figuring out your step you know not steps but like the grace you know to get grace with the process Mm -hmm. um yeah and it was it was an odd level of learning curve given how long I had been in the rental property industry but now you know i've kind of got my foot my footing that's what i was thinking i'm not steps i've got my footing now and i've got a great tenants like i'm much more about like vibing with them than their credit score that kind of like I, I have to meet them in person and i have that luxury because it's a higher end property so yeah. you know it's not it's it's kind of higher class tenants which is great so oh man being a landlord like i probably said this last time it really goes like I understand now why I've preached so heavily against doing it. Like, and I always forget to pick up the rent check, which you would think would be the easiest thing to remember because that's the money. And I constantly forget every first of the month I have to go pick up the rent check and which that's a good problem to have. But yeah, no, I, I was, I don't know if we talked about this last time we spoke when I lived in Los Angeles, uh, it was, you know, a starving actor with another starving mm-hmm. actor roommate and our poor landlord, he was 70 <laughs> something years old, had double hip replacement, uh, uh, you know, and God, we would make him chase us down for the rent every time. <laughs> and not, and honestly, not because we were deadbeats. We had the money. It was just a little, it was just lazy 20 something, yeah. you know, couldn't be bothered to stick a check in the mail, you know? Yeah. Um, I can't. And nowadays I, you know, uh, he's probably long since passed, but you know, uh-huh. I, I auto, I'm sorry. My apologies for being a terrible tenant. <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, it, it's just, you, it can be easy if you just implement the processes, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. I'm sort of surprised that you're still picking up a physical check and you haven't figured out some way to have them just pay electronically. Well, it's funny because the tenant actually doesn't want to keep writing a check. He keeps saying he's going to set up like the automated or electronic or whatever and I was like sure but he I think him and I are at the exact same levels of like I always forget to pick up the check and he always forgets to (laughs) do his electronic because every month he's like oh shoot okay still didn't get to it and maybe three or four months ago like a year into his you know he's been there for probably about a year now he's just even stopped caveating it with okay I meant to do the electronic (laughs) but I'm the same way like you know I rent uh, where I live and I still pay with a physical check they gave us an option for like electronic or whatever but I'm like the one thing I need checks for I just write it but I'm the same way like I'm way too lazy to set up this electronic thing plus I like knowing oh I'm gonna pay my rent now versus like it just being like a mysterious black hole type of thing So I, I can't uh, knock him for it, but yeah, well, in the previous tenant, uh, before this vacancy, he did electronics. So the money just kind of showed up. It was great, but 
you know, it's those it definitely good problems to have. I will say yeah. that I'm fortunate yeah. enough to be a landlord, which, you know, I got to give yeah. some kind of credit to. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of bad landlords out there and there's a lot of bad tenants and I, yeah. I don't think and, either one of us are. 2020 is really bringing those to the surface, aren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh Lord, Lord. <laughs> uh, have you had, you know, let's, let's talk about that. You brought it up. So let's talk about it for a second. Have you had any sort of issue um, across your whole portfolio with uh, tenants not paying, evictions, anything like that? You know, I actually haven't, which um, is funny because you hear, you know, we all know the numbers for unemployment. Um, God, there's what that like coalition against landlords now, like there's all sorts of drama, but I really haven't talked to, and knock on wood, um, I really haven't talked to any uh, rental property owners that have had any major problems. So I don't know, you know, if it's, I, I don't know what it's all dependent on, if it's where or who or what or what kinds of properties or whatever. I'm sure it's just kind of a law of averages, but you know what's funny? is the first non-payment it wasn't really a non-payment it was the delayed payment uh because of the covid drama was from my section eight house that's the guaranteed rent house and i'm like what (laughs) and so the tenant paid her share but the city didn't pay the section eight i was like the one guaranteed rent i have seriously and because the city i think this was in I don't know, April or May or something, the city was so bombarded, you know, people weren't working in their offices, the whole, it was a total cluster. So it was ironic that the guaranteed payment was the only one that I actually was missing for a while. And the only other thing after that was my my tenant here that I'm the landlord, you know, it's a higher end um, apartment. He, he's paying 5,000 a month. Um, He had asked for, you know, he got a, some percentage massive pay cut and he had asked for a little bit of relief and he was just asking for like 2000 off one month. And so we actually did, and he's such an amazing tenant, like, uh, like hundred percent. Like if I'm a, I scratch your back, you scratch mine type. And so he's been so great. And so just, awesome as a tenant we were like yes let's do it so to protect ourselves we did a promissory note so the agreement is that any time between now and when he leaves the property which could be a year 10 years 30 years who knows it doesn't matter when uh he'll pay that 2000 back but that way it gives him the flexibility of um you know doing it when it makes sense for him but at the same time you know to protect ourselves from yeah. we if we cut 2000 off the rent and then he moves out the next month well you know that doesn't help us any so that was kind of that happy middle ground of pay it back whenever even if it's 30 years from now but in the meantime 100% want to help you out so yeah. but you know other than that i mean so i'm very grateful that i haven't really had many well really any problems because it's not like i'm even missing money out of it but i will say um, one of the, I have a property right now going through an expensive turnover because the tenant just destroyed it. And, you know, with the eviction moratoriums and it is stressful and this unit that's vacant that I'm trying to rent out, there's a hesitation of renting it because like someone is smart enough could just walk in, rent it and never pay. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, so I would say for me, my personal experience has been more on the renting side than the existing tenant side for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's a whole, it's just a, it's a whole new world. I mean, there's just so many little things that have popped up and, you know, California is different from Tennessee or North Carolina with their, with their laws about whether or not you can evict or foreclose. And uh, it just really, you know, you talked about getting your footing as a landlord. It's not, 
The sands are shifting constantly. <laughs> it's like just when you get your footing. Oh, just kidding. We're going to change the entire floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, now you're on like rocky gravel, but have yeah. fun. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, well, we didn't we didn't get you on here to talk about uh, landlording. We actually got, you have a new book uh, called uh, Not Your How-To Guide to Investing in Real Estate. So we figured we, yep, there it is. That's the one. Um, it's very exciting because have you ever put a book out? It's terrible. Is <laughs> like, it? I had no idea how hard this was going to be. So this, yeah. it's like, I mean, if this was more comfortable, I'd probably use it as a pillow because yeah. it's, now it's, it's your baby. very exciting. That's your baby. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it's a wonderful book. I've read it um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm <gasps> not the first to describe it as a wonderful, uh, a companion piece to Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, uh, that's a, that's a honor. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not, it's much more about mindset than it is nuts and bolts, but yeah. um, you know, we, we talk about mindset on this show all the time. Um, yeah. So, um, one of the really wonderful things that you talk about in there is something you call the three currencies. And can you break that down for us and sort of talk about what they are and what you mean by them? Yeah, I'm so excited you brought that one up because when I put the book out, for me personally, I was trying to think of what my favorite chapter was and it was that one. And since then, it's so validating. That's the one chapter everybody says something about. So I've had this theory, I don't know, for a couple of years now. I think I've had it for a long time, but I had never really clarified it for myself. I truly believe that there are three currencies that we use every day in all situations. Money, the first one, which we all know about, like that's obvious. But the two that aren't really talked about are time and sanity. So like if I look at the example I use in the book is if I wanna build bookshelves, I want new bookshelves for my office or living room or something. And I really have the choice of either hiring someone to build these bookshelves or me build the bookshelves myself. And what's the most common reason people say, well, I'll do it myself. It's to save money. Well, in some cases, that might be great. If you're handy, if you enjoy that kind of work, I'm not that person. I would love to be the handy person who loves that work because I think it'd be really fun. But you put a hammer in my hands and it's not pretty. And I have no, I have an engineering degree and I can, I would not trust me to build a bookshelf at all. So what will end up happening if I want to save the money for building those bookshelves from paying somebody inevitably for me personally, I'm going to end up paying for those bookshelves in time and sanity. And for me, like, so I kind of talk about like, you know, ranking those for yourself because some people money might be the most valuable currency. Totally. Like, that's fine for me. It's sanity. So like, we know I'm involved with turnkey rental properties and they have great returns, but they're not the highest returns of all the strategies. But for me, I get to keep my sanity. So I would rather sacrifice some of the monetary returns, the money currency, in lieu of saving my sanity and especially my time also. So, you know, it's kind of, if you really think about like anything you're buying or you want to get or you want to sell or whatever, when you kind of start thinking about it in terms of those three things, and especially, you know, we're obviously talking about real estate too, like if you want to flip a property, cool. Is that, for me, it would eat away my time and sanity maybe not for you. And some people, it might even bring them joy. But when you can take the time to really think that through, and it doesn't have to do with real estate investing, anything, hiring a maid, you know, it's like the, should I clean the house myself or should I pay someone to do it? Well, I don't really want to pay someone to do it. But again, thinking about that time and sanity component, because what other things could you be doing during that time? Are you sacrificing your sanity if you hate mopping floors, that kind of stuff. So 
it's kind of my own personal theory. And for me personally, it, it changes what I do and what I don't do. It changes how I run entrepreneurship. You know, I run my own company. Do I hire a web guy and pay him or try and do it myself to save the money? Well, again, at what point do I start losing time and sanity by doing that? And so entrepreneurship, real estate, normal hiring a maid, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, to me, it's a little bit game changing to actually take in the time and sanity uh, components because nobody ever talks about those or thinks about those, but they're absolutely something you trade um, when you want anything just as any other currency. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's something that uh, Brittany and I deal with all the time, uh, which is, you know, are we, are we really saving money by doing this ourselves or are we just, you know, burning whatever reserves we have, you know, to do other things that would make us more money. Um, often, you know, I often ask people, you know, if you could, uh, if you could throw money at one problem in your life, what, what problem would that be? Ooh, I wonder what my answer to that would be. I don't What do people say? All over the map. Um, everything. Everything. I mean, it, you know, it, it also works for your business. You know, I mean, you're in yeah. your business. What's, what's one thing in your business that you could throw money at that would make your life easier? You know, marketing for me. Oh, I'm so bad at marketing, but that's actually a really hard one to throw uh, money at because everyone will tell you they can do the job. Like, have you tried to hire a social media marketing manager recently? everyone says they know how to do it. And so a funny one about the book, actually. So, you know, the book's about to come out and I'm trying to finish the book or whatever. And I was like, okay, once it's out, you know, how am I going to get it out to the world? And I was, you know, on a Saturday night board, I was just kind of Googling, like, you know, do I need book reviews? Do I need whatever? Yes, I need book reviews. Um, Do I need book reviews, blah, blah, blah. And I found this like downloadable uh, checklist or something from someone and it said how to get the most amount of book reviews possible, whatever the phrase, whatever the thing was. So I downloaded it and I read the whole thing and I was like, okay. And of course it was, you know, they were going to upsell something. And I thought, before I go any further, just out of curiosity, let me go to this guy's book and see how many book reviews he has. Cause I was like, if he has 15,000 book reviews, I am absolutely taking this guy's Mm -hmm. advice. He had 15. And I was like, so you write a whole thing about how to get the most amount of book reviews and your book has 15. Like, I'm just going to stop listening to you right now. So that's what I would throw money at is like the people who can actually do marketing. Cause I'm so bad at it myself, but that's a tough one to throw money. Cause who are those people? That yeah. is very difficult to figure out. Well, and it's, it's a very creative thing. And there are people who like sort of, they get the nuts and bolts of it, but they're not very creative at all. And, yeah. you know, we, um, I'm a graphic, you know, I come from a graphics and visual media background. So I have yeah. a very, very, I have a style that I really like. And so I go back and forth between, I don't want to give up my baby. I don't want to give up that, yep. that visual style, you know, so I have to figure out, okay, how do I teach someone how to do it like I'm doing it? Uh, yep. And that's a whole nother, you know, I mean, uh, a, yeah. a real big challenge of, of trying to hand off anything to anyone is yeah. you have to be really organized about how you're doing it yourself before you try to hang it, hand it off. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I'm, I st- I'll still struggle with. 
uh, all you know, the time. Even kind of tying this back to I, outsourcing is one of my favorite conversations, but tying this back to the three currencies thing. So I've had to do the same thing in my business is I can't do it all. And so what a lot of what I've had to figure out is like, okay, what can I have someone else do? And for the most part, most of the nuts and bolts are outsourced. I have fantastic people who are so good at those things and I'm just not even that good. So it's like the strength of all of us doing what we're good at is that much greater. Mm -hmm. But the one thing, kind of like what you're talking about with the design, the one thing that I do a lot that I've never figured out how to outsource is writing because my voice is so abundantly clear in writing. That's all the feedback, you know, that's, it's me talking and you can hear it mm -hmm. and I can't, how would I train someone to sound like me? And so it's like, okay, that, you know, kind of possibly like your design stuff. It's like, okay, that I have to keep on my own. Like I have a second book I want to get out and people are like, Oh, you can hire a ghostwriter. And I was like, no, I don't think you know, yeah. like it has to be yeah. my words. Cause that's, that's, how I talk to people. So it's like, you know, going back to the three currencies is like, I'm good at writing. I like writing. I'm not trading. I am trading time, but in that case, no big deal. I'm saving the money by not hiring someone to do it. I am spending time on it and I'm keeping all my sanity. So really I'm only spending time versus like money and sanity. And so, you know, again, wrapping it right back into the three currency discussion is, you know, for the other tasks, like let's, um, my client database, for example, I'm spending money on that, but I'm keeping all of my time in sanity. So it, it's kind of a fun, addicting little game when you start figuring out the currency, like, Ooh, how am I going to do that and keep the most? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, you, we, we talked a lot about of course landlording, uh, right at the start. And, and that's sort of how Oof. I look at, at, you know, I'm giving up, you know, hundred, $150 a month to a property manager, yep. you know, all the way across the country to manage, you know, uh, you know, each property or whatever. I look at that as an absolute, I'm buying my sanity. Um, yeah. I, I don't want the calls in the middle of the and night time. Yeah. yeah, and time, you know, and I, I don't want to be sitting there worried about whether or not I'm going to get a call from a tenant in the middle of the night because they've clogged up the toilet. Um, yeah. I don't have to take those calls. Uh, yeah. and yeah, that means I make a little bit, a little less money. And some people have told me like landlording is not hard. You know, I'm like, well, I also it's live not hard. It's just obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> like, well said. It's, it's like whole, people say wholesaling is so easy. I'm like, let's clarify that it's simple, Yes. but it doesn't mean it's, it's not easy. easy at like all. landlording, it's simple, but that doesn't, you know, like, Oh yeah. No, yep. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yep. All right. So you brought up a good segue. Um, so something we talk a lot about, uh, here on the road to family freedom is to begin with the end in mind. What do you want your life to look like once your whatever strategy, real estate strategy you're doing is up and running. Uh, and that's why we really focus on, you know, knowledge, time, money, uh, mm -hmm. that a particular strategy is going to take. Um, and you describe it as the difference between working and investing. And I'm going to yeah. list off some examples that you provided. Uh, you said, like, Oh, it's been a while since I've been, I'm yeah, like, I, I'm I've like, got them written, I've got them written down for you. Yeah, yeah. They're great. Uh, wholesaling, wholesaling <laughs> yep. is all work, but no investment. Right. Flipping is half work, half investment. Land, yeah. Landlording rental properties is half work, half investment. Uh, using property managers on rental properties is minimal work, mostly investment. And the mm -hmm. notes and REITs and all odd syndications uh, is yeah. no work, all Ooh, investment. I should put that in there. Yeah. 
Um, second edition, you can add that. Uh, I, I want to be. <laughs> oh, I like it. I want to be in the footnotes. So. Uh, yeah, no, no. done. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so talk to us a little bit about what, like, what you mean by the difference between working and investing. Well, and so, oh man, there's so, this is such a big topic and one that I think I'm most passionate about. And really so much of the intention of the book is I feel like one of the reasons that so many people fail at real estate investing is because if you Google, like, how do I be a real estate investor or whatever, they're like, you should flip properties. And people are like, okay. And they have no concept of, you know, there's tons of things they have no concept of, whether it's like the risk or how to actually do it or whatever. But, you know, I'm in turnkey rental property world. Like the best person to buy a turnkey rental property is the person who has a full-time job and a family with five kids because they don't have the time and whatever. I've had so many people who have a full-time job and a spouse and five kids say, I think I want to become a wholesaler. And I'm like, when are you going to do that? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, to wholesale and God bless wholesaling. There's a lot of great things about it, but it's, it's a misrepresentation to say that it's investment because it's a job. Mm-hmm. It's a great job if you want to learn the nuts and bolts of real estate investing, but it is a job. Yeah. So if you already have a full-time job and a full-time family among God only knows what else, you're taking on a full-time job without realizing it. And so a lot of the message really is all of the strategies are fine. They're great. But, you know, like you say, thinking about the end game in mind is like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? If you're wanting like financial, uh, this is my favorite example. So many people are like, I want financial freedom. So I need to make, I don't know, five to $10,000 a month in passive cash flow. I'm like, okay. And they're like, I think I'm going to wholesale to do that. I'm like, oh, so many ways I could go with that. But, you know, eventually if you become a really experienced wholesaler and you end up outsourcing basically the business of doing so, sure, you might get five to $10,000 a month in rent or in rent and income. But, you know, if you're wanting to lounge on the beach and retire, you've got to be thinking of passive strategies. So it's this idea of passive income versus active. Flipping can be as active as possible. But again, once you become more experienced, it may become more passive because you can outsource and you kind of become the manager of that business. But flipping is an active strategy. Wholesaling is a job. It's active. You have to be present and you have to do the work. Whereas with rental properties, you can kick what they call it, you know, making money in your sleep or like notes and syndication and all that. You don't really have to participate in anything unless you're landlording and, you know, occasionally managing a property manager. But, you know, the less you have to be directly involved, like I can go on vacation. I could go tour the States in a Volkswagen bus as a hippie for a month and my rental properties are just going to keep paying, you know? So it's this idea of passive income versus active income, um, working versus investing. Are you taking on a job? And that's actually what held me out of real estate investing for a long time because everything I explored, wholesaling, flipping, da, 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 da. It was like, I already have a corporate job. I was like, I don't, I, I didn't yeah. know at the time what I was looking for, but I was like, I don't think I want to do all that work. And then I stumbled across turnkey rental properties. I was like, Oh, Hey, tell me more because I, I, I didn't have to be there. I, my, one of my favorite examples, I'll keep it super short, but it's in the book is I was down in Nicaragua. Actually, I was in the pool with a pina colada in my hand was not the first one of the day. And I got a message from one of my property managers saying a storm had just blown through and half my roof went with it. And I was like, that sounds terrible. So here I am hanging out in Central America with a pina colada in my hand. I said, okay, hang on, let me call the insurance company. 
I set them up. I text the property manager. Here's the jester's name. He's going to call you to come out. I literally never did anything else. Whereas if that was my property and I was the one working, I would have, I don't even know what would have happened. Do I get a flight out of Nicaragua with my, do I get to keep my pink? Can I take it into go cup? I don't know. And you know, but that is passive. I got to keep hanging out of the pool, never put my pina colada down and it was taken care of for me. You know, there's, there's management oversight that has to be done, but it's, just making sure that you really look at how much active work you're going to have to do on something. And people just don't understand that so many of the real estate investing strategies are work. And again, nothing wrong with that, but you've got to be clear on that because if you go diving into something that you have no idea how much work it's going to be and you don't have the time or energy to do that, it's not going to work out. And one of the uh, last few chapters of the book, I actually interviewed, uh, was it five uh, really successful investors, all in different strategies, a wholesaler, some flippers, um, rental properties, you know, and I, I asked them lots of all the same questions really to kind of paint a day in the life of, because again, the guru says you should flip properties, but nobody actually tells you what that life is really like or what that involves or what skills do you really need to have? So my intention with those uh, interviews views were so people could actually hear straight from the horse's mouth, you know, what, are, what does their day to day look like? And it ranges, you know, from all working to all passive um, and all that. So, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I'm like, I know that was long winded, but I get really excited about that topic. No, <laughs> what, it's so it, important. Not at all. Cause it's such a big deal because so Huge. many, you know, it's when, when I, discovered real estate investing, I was in the exact same boat with you. It was like, oh, oh, that strategy. Oh, lease options, yeah. lease options, sandwiches. Oh my God, that's so brilliant. You know, <laughs> I want um, it. <laughs> small, yeah, small multifamily, you know, uh, syndication, uh, capital raising, you know, there's I'll just all these. I'll take one of those and one of those. Yeah, I want, some I want that. definitely yeah, one that, of those. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like a kid in a candy store. But <laughs> You know, but the, the problem is that it's like, you have to sit there and figure, okay, what does my life look like right now? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I have, I'm a dad, I have a full-time job and I live in Las Vegas. Um, yeah. you know, for a long time I wanted to do, I was like, oh, small multifamily, small, small multifamily. That's the, that's the way to go. You know, well, if you look into sm it's small multifamilies are great. Uh, but if you try to do it here in Las Vegas, God help you. Um, they're all really old. They're in terrible yeah. neighborhoods. Um, your property manager is probably going to have to carry a gun to collect rent, uh, you know, and good luck finding, good luck finding a property manager who want, will want to do that. Yeah. Um, so it's just, there's so many other things to keep in mind besides just, oh, that sounds good. Um, yeah. and, and I love that you really, you know, th this book is all about mindset. You really need to f sit down and figure out, you know, what do I want out of this? And yeah. somebody who is a, a successful aerospace engineer, um, making a, a good income maybe is not going to be best served by trying to, to take on another job. Maybe yeah. they would be better off finding a way to invest passively. And you know what? They're yep. going to get, a, they're going to give up some return. They're not going to yep. get that necessarily going to get that 18 to 20% return. Uh, right. but they're probably still going to get 12 to 14 and they'll yep. still have their sanity. 
I was just about to say, and then it circles right back to the three currencies. Like my turnkey rental properties, they don't make as much in cash flow as I could if I did a distressed property and, you know, that whole the equity on the front end and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I would rather lose some of those returns if it means I get to keep hanging out of the beach. I didn't want to get out of the pool in Nicaragua and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that all day long is work. Well, I guess that even speaks really to the property management fees for a hundred bucks a month per property. Like, okay, I didn't have to leave Central America. That was great. And yeah, and I mean, really, that's the whole, I mean, there's different things in the book, but that's kind of the biggest premise of the whole book in general is like, just take the time before you go flying off into the deep end and figure out what are you actually wanting to accomplish and what do you, so what strategy might fit that and what do you need to know about that strategy to do it successfully? And it sounds so lame because when we get in this industry, we all want to go flying into the how-to guides like, I want to do it now. I get it. But the good news about this is it doesn't really take that long to look at all of these things either. And just taking that time on the front end to really get that foundation, I I can't guarantee anything, but it just, you know, it could change everything. Like why not do a strategy you actually really enjoy and jive with and you can be successful with? How, you know, what do you need to know about that strategy? How do you know when you should dive in versus like learn a little bit more? Like, I mean, I mean the book, I, it can't possibly take that long to read. Like it, just kind of going back to Robert Kiyosaki, like he's a little bit more mindset and you know, what investor do you know has skipped over rich dad, poor dad and gone into investing? None (laughs) because you to go into investing, you need to know what he says. So it's a, you know, taking the time for the mindset. Cause I say, if your mindset's not right, there's not a how to guy in the world that's going to work for you. And you know, again, it doesn't take that long to really look at those things either. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you can't, correct course at a, at a later point, you know, 100%. if you get to a point where, yep. you know, there's not this like, well, if I, if I get into turnkeys, I'm going to be in turnkeys forever. And I'm just going to have to be, keep buying more and more turnkeys. It's like, I know people that, you know, they got to the point, I've got a good friend who, who had nine single family rentals. And then that got him to the point where he could take a little more risk. And, you know, he was able to kind of leave his job and then focus on larger commercial properties you know, yep. which, which you don't need a, you don't need a W2 to buy, yep. uh, you know, and so it, it doesn't need to be all or nothing. You know, you can get to right. something, you know, that at least, at least gets you to the point where, okay, now I've got more time to devote, to vote to it. So now I can yeah. focus on maybe a little more of an active strategy that has a higher return, uh, but yeah, you can take that risk. A- yeah, that's a huge message because it's it's giving, you know, you don't have to go flying off into the deep. You don't have to go into the distressed, large, multifamily apartment complex. You know, people ask me all the time, like, are turnkeys good for new investors? And I think they're fantastic because all of the complicated, higher risk stuff is done for you, which allows you the time and the ability and the resources to sit and learn the foundation of basically any strategy, certainly rental properties, but any strategy, because what are the two biggest things you need to know for turnkeys? How to the numbers and how to do due diligence. Those two things will change everything for every single strategy. If you don't know how to do those two things for any strategy, you're going to be in a heap load of trouble. So it's like, you know, I tell people turnkeys are fantastic because all the hard stuff is done for you. You can focus on learning those basics. And then once you get the basics, do something more complicated, do, you know, flip your own 
single family house or whatever and then graduate up to at some point you're running like a freaking empire of apartment complexes but you know when people and i was totally one of these culprits i was like i'll just go buy an apartment complex uh, well okay cool and some people have done that right out of the gate successfully but like again you know taking the time to build that foundation and see if it's right for you because you may kind of start into rental properties whether it's turnkey or small ones or whatever and be like mm, not really feeling this and you can kind of use those as stepping stones to graduate up to whatever it is you want or on the flip side let's say your dream is to retire with no obligations no whatever you want all passive income but you're like you know though i have so much time before that i would like to get my hands dirty in the beginning i would like to do the work myself i would like to try out flipping see how that goes see if i can scale it then i can kind of make it a business at that point, then, you know, I'll make it a more passive situation. So whatever way you do it is completely fine, as long as you're aware of what you're doing and why, because that's where I feel like people just completely don't. And again, I was one of those because I didn't know what I didn't know. And so, you know, really just take, and that's kind of the whole point of the book is just taking that time to be like, okay, what do I want to accomplish? Okay, now what's the reality of what that's going to take to accomplish? And how can I do that reality successfully? Yeah. Well, Ali Boone, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I think that was a perfect place to stop it. Um, the book is called Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate, or Not Your How-To Guide to Investing in Real Estate. Um, you can get it on Amazon, I assume. Yes, or I may have set up a link for your listeners okay. to get a free copy of it. Okay. So it's a free digital copy. So the link is, so my company is Hipster Investments. I'm not a hipster for the record. Uh, it's hipsterinvestments.com slash, uh, what did I make it? Road to free book. So get it? It almost sounds like Road to Family <laughs> Freedom, but it's Road to Free Book. <laughs> you like that? Um, I like it. So if you go to that link, you can get a free digital copy of, copy of the whole book. There's a link to the Amazon link on there. Just if you're like, I'm a paperback person, I can't stand digital anything. Um, so if you want the paperback, the Amazon link's on there also. But go there, and the only thing I ask in return is pretty please leave an Amazon review because as a brand new author, like truly my fate uh, relies on those reviews. So anything yeah. you can do, if you can just chuck a review in there, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, other than that, free book for you. And right. I guess one other favor, if you really like the book, share it to anybody uh, you think could get value from it. Cause I, my intention with it really is to just help people like, yeah. you know, pass on the cool things I've learned and hopefully it makes a difference in people's investing. Well, it's a great book. Check it out. Uh, we'll have uh, all the links that Allie just mentioned in the show notes. And uh, thanks again, Allie. It was great seeing you. Yay. Thanks for Well, let's make it a yearly thing. It'd be all great. right. That we'll sounds do, good. We'll do Done. like anniversary shows. Done deal. Maybe by then I'll have a second book. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. And we'll be out of 2020. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Take care, Allie. All right, thanks. Okay, that was Miss Allie Boone from hipsterinvestments.com. So wonderful talking to her. You know, it. Um, there's a lot of people that we have met uh, through the podcast that um, we've never met face-to-face, -face, uh, and we, you know, we look forward to meeting them face-to-face -face someday uh, when we're allowed to do that you know, uh, post COVID and, uh, Allie is definitely one of them. Um, you can check out, you can get her, a free copy of her book once again at hipsterinvestments.com slash road to free book. Uh, that's a great link. And, um, 
not a normal show, so we're not going to really break down, you know, the, the four values that we often talk about, but I will point out, um, that Allie is, you know, she's preaching to the choir for us when she talks about her, um, uh, her three currencies, which is very much along the lines of what we talk about with, you know, beginning with the end in mind, you know, what is it that you want out of real estate investing? Uh, if you, you know, if you want to just get rich and you don't mind, you know, getting in there and getting your hands dirty and you want to, you know, uh, be a syndicator and, and build a, a multi-million dollar company, go for it. Uh, but realize that that is a job and that if you are somebody who has a job and a family right now, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges that you're going to face. Um, whereas, you know, if you, if that's something that you aspire to, and maybe you want to take an interim step and invest passively, uh, either in turnkeys or syndications, uh, private placements and things like that, um, that might be a better path to take before you try to do this as a full-time gig. So, uh, once again, that was Allie Boone with hipster investments, check her out. And, uh, it was great talking to her. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.